welcome back to the Anime Boston Podcast, where all weebs are welcome. In this episode, we have a great one where producer Todd the Toddfather is going to talk about anime then and now, from the old days of when things trickled in like a faucet, through now, where it's like a fire hose of veritable content thanks to streaming. This is going to be an interesting one, and probably a nostalgia kick for those of you who collected in the 80s and 90s and remember the perils of having to save money to buy sub versus dub and it being a 20 versus 25 dollar situation so stick around and give it a listen Hey friends, Todd here. Not to sound like an old man yells at cloud or some kind of anime hipster, but I've been around the fandom for a while. I'm going to talk about some history and gloss over many points because I only have a few minutes to make it. And for every point I make, there's almost always evidence to show a counter trend or some kind of counter thesis. So I'm glossing over some things to make this a much more pleasant piece and not have to set it aside every 10 seconds. To hedge my bets and to make sure that this isn't misconstrued, these views and opinions expressed on this podcast are my own, and not those of Anime Boston or the New England Anime Society. I remember the anime fandom back before streaming was a thing, and really even before DVDs were big. I don't remember as far back as tape trading in the early 90s, or the culture before that, but I know many people who are my age who did do it and have fond memories of it. One of the things I've heard people complain about on the forums of old, the Facebooks of before, and the Twitters of now is that anime used to be better. Like, there's some kind of objective measurement of the subjective quality of entertainment, and talking about it loudly on the internet lets you control how it's measured. To be fair, there isn't, and it doesn't. One of the things I can give credit to the complainers for is that anime has changed, that I'm not 100% sure it's for the better. For the purposes of this very one-way audio essay, I'm going to call it a trickle, a faucet, and a fire hose. I'll cover this in more details, both in this and in a panel I do called The Slog, Keeping Up With Modern Anime. It should be on the schedule for Anime Boston. Come and say hi. For those of you not in the know, tape trading was when people would record copies of show-off Japanese TV on VHS, put them on a boat, ship them over here, and they would translate them into a booklet and then send them out to colleges or anime clubs and they would show them and they would distribute the booklet and you would literally have to kind of read the script as you were watching the anime. It was awful. Nobody liked it. And really, it was one of the only ways that you could get anime that wasn't available commercially. There wasn't a lot of anime available commercially, but in general, this was the only other way to get stuff. So back in the days of tape trading, there was a very small domestic market for anime. There were a few companies around putting out VHS tapes, Central Park Media, Media Blasters, Animago, ADV, and a couple of others. And many of the things they put out were hyper-violent or hyper-sexual or both. Ninja Scroll, MD Guys, Legends of the Overfiend all come to mind. These weren't really shows, but instead they were OVAs or original video animations. They were programs that were designed to be put out on VHS tapes in Japan. They had a high budget and they were a little bit more free with content than what you could show on TV. They were perfect to license, translate, 
dub or sub and put out domestically because they were really kind of self-contained. But if you wanted to watch a TV show, that was a lot harder. You generally had to hope somebody would localize it like they did with Star Blazers or Astro Boy, but generally they scrubbed out all of the Japanese in the show and replaced it with something different. It used to be that if you wanted a show subtitled, it would cost more than dub and they didn't come on the same tape. And that was if you could find a subtitled copy because they were really hard to get. But in general, a lot of the shows during this time just simply didn't come out on... They were expensive, they were harder to source, they were harder to license. But as the industry grew, there was a lot of interest in these longer form shows. They were more expensive to license, but you got your kind of pick of the creme de la creme, the best, the most interesting, the most engaging, and... These were shows that were considered the classics when I got into anime. Your Ranma one-halves, your Cowboy Bebops, your Escaflones. You could pick a show that was a good fit for your company or a good fit for the market you thought was buying anime at the time. This was the change from a trickle to a faucet. As the industry continued to grow, it would license more and more shows. I personally bought Evangelion and Bubblegum Crisis on VHS tape. 13 tapes, two episodes a tape at $30. This was in 1999 money. That was a lot of money. That's like paying 50 or $60 now for two episodes. You had to rely on your friends or your anime club to give you recommendations on what your hard-earned money went into. And if you didn't like it, you were out that money. Maybe you could find something at Blockbuster or the video rental place, but even then it was rolling the dice on whether or not the thing was going to be good. At about this time, DVDs came out. And this made being an anime collector or an anime fan a little bit more palatable. You got four episodes of DVD, you got subs and dubs, some had cool collector's boxes or little bits of extra merch. And at the same time, you also had fan subbers putting out shows that weren't out on DVD or weren't out on VHS tape. So you suddenly had a lot more options for what you could watch. Right as I was getting into anime, I had a friend burn me DVDs full of truly crappy qualities of Love Hina, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, and Inuyasha. I was into it. I mean, I was really into it. I had to sit there and watch these on like a 15-inch CRT monitor. I strained nothing was great, but I loved every second of it. And I remember watching a lot of shows like this from fan subs. And, you know, at the time I promised myself I would buy the DVDs. I did buy some of them, and most of them are still on my shelves sealed in plastic. They were important to me, but not important enough to watch again. And looking back, this is really when the faucet started to be opened. There was a lot more anime. Stuff that wasn't considered viable was released as fan subs gathered a fandom, and then was brought out domestically on DVD. This, in turn, brought more interest to many subgenres of anime that hadn't got as much attention. Romance, Shonen Eye, Suspense, some of the longer-running Shonen shows all gained significant fandoms through fan subs before they became colossal hits coming out on DVD or Adult Swim. Now, the issue with fan subs are they're digital, and digital distribution scales so much better than tape trading as all you need is a computer and not multiple VHS players and knowing a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. They also don't break down and basically live forever. Even now, fan subs are kicking around all over the internet on illegal sites that people stream anime on, and it sucks. But everything changed when the Fire Nation, I'm, I'm sorry, 
when streaming video became a thing. Back at one point in 2008 or 2009, I had a panel where I was talking about the state of the anime industry. And I called this website called Crunchyroll one of the biggest problems in anime. At the time, they were hosting fan subs of shows they hadn't licensed. But shortly, they cleaned up their act. And as we all know, they're now basically the biggest player in anime. They bought Funimation, pioneered same-day simulcasts, and have brought out the era of the fire hose. Basically, it became an anime arms race. You needed to have as much as possible, as quickly as possible. But you didn't have the gift of hindsight to see if a show was actually good before you started showing it. Some of them were huge hits. Some of them were duds. Most of them fall somewhere in between. For every mega hit like Attack on Titan or Sword Art, there are a hundred animes in a streaming back catalog that are there gathering dust, but to a few fans who love them. They aren't masterpieces, but they're certainly enjoyable. But this contributes to a sense of Anime was better back in the day. Everything was a hit. All oh, those kids, they don't know what they were missing. There was less anime coming out, but the anime that was coming out was picked because it was the most prestigious or had the highest budget, and it was memorable. But there wasn't as much. And right now, I'm sitting here wondering, was anime better back in the day? Or was it just that there was less and... When there was less, you watched it more often. I mean, I've seen Cowboy Bebop a number of times. I've only seen Sword Art once. And I have fonder memories of shows like Cowboy Bebop. But do I have those memories simply because they were more available? I don't know the answer. And I'm sure that this is going to blow up in my face. But I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say about this topic. Was anime better back in the day? Is anime better now? Come to my panel. Discuss it on our forums. Discuss it on our Facebook. Hope to hear from you soon. And you'll hear from me on the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Anime Boston podcast presented by the Anime Boston Convention. This is a volunteer effort and a labor of love and is presented to you by the podcast staff, Lauren Gallo, Bogulu, George Yazbak, Mitch Stern, Nanvo, Olivia Keen, and Todd the Todd Father Whitney. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.